along to Scoreline Extra. It is myself, Shane O'Keefe, trying to condense down some of the interviews that we conducted over the weekend on KCLR. Well, I should say we. It's mostly been Robbie. I was out sick and Robbie's after preparing like a mofo. He has loads of interviews lined up. On this episode, you'll hear Eddie Brennan talking Uncle Kenny versus Galway and beyond. You'll have coverage from the launch of the Carlo Hurling Championship. Harry Ewing discusses the Live Championship in golf. Joe Sheehan talks all things greyhound racing. Noel Jordan from the Carlo District League talked to Ken McGuire about the last year in the league. Lots of handball chat with Billy Love, Martin Lawler and Desi Keegan. We have some Kilkenny Intermediate Camogie post-match after the victory over Derry. And Davy Jones joined myself live on air discussing next week's Ireland's strongest man being held in Davy Jones' fitness. First up, here's Eddie Brennan. Now I'm delighted to be joined by Kilkenny legend Eddie Brennan as we reflect on Kilkenny's Leinster final win against Galway and look ahead to what promised to be an exciting end to the championship. Eddie, thanks for talking to me today. No bother at all, Rob. Um, firstly, suppose, Eddie, a great result for Kilkenny at the weekend. Would you be happy as a Kilkenny supporter with the result or concerned given the level of performance looking at the Munster final that took place the next day? Yeah, I think you'd have to be very honest about it in the poll later today and say uh, we're, we're probably not at that level at the moment yeah. um, and, and we have plenty of work to do. Yeah, pleasing. We've won another Leinster title, which is brilliant. Um, you know, I had a, a very happy young lad going home in the car, and uh, <laughs> my neighbour was with me. So we, we had two happy chaps going home in the car that night. But um, ultimately, I think your 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 eyes quickly enough turn to the next challenge. And for us in Kilkenny, we're potentially looking at you know Wexford obviously have to manoeuvre through Kerry on Saturday this weekend, and then it's looking like Wexford and Clare, uh, and both of them would prefer. You know, it provide us with a huge challenge in Croke Park. You know, Wexford are a team that we still are not, you know, we haven't figured them out fully yet and, and they, they're able to challenge us. But looking at Clare, like I'd be, you know, you, you'd say our backs, I thought, on Saturday were very well organised. But equally, I think it's fair to say that the Galway forwards never provided that real stiff challenge or that all, loads of movements. I thought they actually were quite static. And look, it was the boys were organised. They communicated well. They covered off. They dealt with that. And they came in. They gave Hugh Lawler good protection. That Hugh Lawler was able to go man for man with Conor Whelan, who was the biggest threat from Galway. Um, and all in all, you'd be happy with that. But definitely, there's bigger challenges ahead. Um, I suppose you mentioned there that there are bigger challenges ahead Eddie are you worried that there's parallels over the last two years if you think back obviously we won Leinster that was our third in a row on Saturday night but we did win Leinster the last two years and come all Ireland semi-final day we lost out to what turned out to be probably the second best team in the country behind Limerick are you worried that maybe there is a parallel in the sense that Clare at the moment are probably playing second fiddle to Limerick but should we meet them in an all Ireland semi-final and there is a long way to go yet like you say that it could be the, a case of the same scenario as the last two years yeah, it, it, it's a, it's it's a distinct possibility, and and like unfortunately, whether we like it or not, you know, Leinster titles are brilliant. We will gladly take them, but once you move on past that, now it's are we good enough to go and win an All Ireland and get to an All Ireland final? Um, and the last couple of years we haven't. We've come up short. So uh, I would expect you know the management will look at that and say where do we need to get another little edge or two. Um, I think that you know they have a, a nice little training block to get ready for that, but we 
you know, we can't stay doing the same things and, and falling short at the same points, you know, and, and say that we're going forward, you know, because yeah. we have to get to the other final and we have to be able to win it. So um, I think we'd have to look at the reasons why we're falling short and try, you know, adjust to them. And I just think at times, look, it's my view. And, and again, I'm not, it's not, it's not criticising anyone, but I'm just saying, I don't think we're probably playing to our strengths enough. I think we have quality forwards and if we can get the supply into them right. And in fairness, look, Saturday evening, there was a, there was an improvement in, in what they were trying to do. But ultimately, and what has happened in the last couple of years is when the pressure comes on and we're chasing a match, I think, it, you know, route one isn't going to work. You know, it, it doesn't, you know, you're looking at hurling now where you have to try be efficient. You have to try guarantee that we have possession on the ball. And when we're coming down the straight and we need a couple of scores, we need to be able to put the ball into our players' hands and give them an opportunity to shoot or to, to get the score. But I think, you know, what we've seen in Salt Hill and in Nolan Park this year was that when we start bombing ball straight down the middle on top of the opposition when we're pursuing a match, it doesn't really work. Like, yeah, Owen Cody was able to pick up that ball and pop it out to John Donnelly for the goal. How often will that happen? You know, so yeah. we can't just rely on a hit hope job. And I think it's probably to be brave. But look, the one thing you'd always get with Kilkenny anyway is, you know, they're going to be honest. They're going to give it absolutely everything. But I personally feel that, you know, we, we, we probably need a little bit more than that if we're going to get to another and final with it. You mentioned there, obviously, the use of the ball and maybe that Kilkenny aren't as efficient as they should be considering the quality of forwards that we do have. Um, is that a case of lack of coaching different style of coaching under coaching or is it just more so the forwards themselves Eddie do, do you feel that it is it needs to be worked on the training pitch for it to actually materialise come match day I suppose that's that the, the purpose of training like I mean is to get yourself ready for what we're going to encounter Does this is what we're going to do if this happens you know you, you plan yeah. and okay there's a lot of variables on the pitch in hurling like there's certain things you have to bring you have to bring the fight you have to bring the intensity which is what Brian Cody teams will always do but I also think that you know you have to look at what we're facing what are they likely to do yes we want to focus on ourselves but I just I just do think at times you know when you look at the, the, the Adrian Mullen scores you know there was two Adrian Mullen scores I think that were taken straight off Owen Murphy found him bang ball over the bar to me that's the best kind of score you can get if you can get an easy score like that during a match it means when we actually have to grind one out and find one you have energy levels to do that so the more often you can score an easy score that's I think that's that would, that would be my view the better because there will be times where you're going to have to obviously go hunting down opposition and there's a lot of work involved and that's all I, I look it's, it's, it's certainly not for me to, to criticise what coaching is going on because I don't know what's going on in there um, and so to be fair to the lads they will do their work they will do their job but I just I just think maybe there's an onus on the players too that the players have to say well we can't stay you know static or running you know we have to you know learn from last year they have to look at last year and say how did Cork hurt us in those matches you know the previous year what happened to so and address those you know the little discussions with each other the little chats when you're poking around that's where you maybe fix those things 
Yeah, and obviously it was a good victory from a Kilkenny point of view, but like you say, a lot to improve on maybe performance-wise. From a Galway perspective, bitterly disappointing, I think, is the way Henry Shefflin described not just the result, but I think it was a woefully flat performance for anyone that was at Crow Park on Saturday night. How worried will he be considering this was his first probably really big event in charge of Galway? And while they did kind of coast through the Leinster around Robin phase, when push came to shove, maybe they've done what most Galway teams have done over the last 10-20 years and they, they failed to actually turn up on a big occasion Yeah I think you know I was watching him closely on Saturday and he was you know it frustrated him because as a as a manager you're, you're powerless yeah. it's very very hard to change a game mid-game it's very hard to kind of shake lads up and get them to start you know driving into tackles and I think um, you know Galway were flat I think it's fair to say whatever it is and look that, that as a manager that's your job go find out why we were so flat why were we so poor in that match and why did we not want it enough and I think that was the big thing for me like if you try to put yourself into Galway's shoes they, they, they were allowing Kenny to you know Kenny were going for their third Leinster point in a row so therefore um, they're saying well what exactly he wants like this is a Leinster final surely to God I think look it's fair to say Galway didn't spring the thunder at all on, on, on Saturday night and as a result Kilkenny just done what they had to do and I think look they deserve credit for that they they, they dealt with the the threat that Galway posed um, but um, definitely look we've, we've it in the bag we move on and we look forward to you know I think they do have work to do and look they will do it and you'd be hoping that Whoever we line up against, we're we're ready for that. But if if you're if you're in the Galway position, you're probably a little bit concerned now that they have two weeks to pick themselves up and get themselves right. Yeah, and I suppose looking at the other side of things, then the Munster final. I mean, one of the best games of hurling, certainly the best game of hurling in the championship this year. Uh, not to, not just the kind of intensity and the tension near the end of the game, Eddie, but but the quality on display was, if you're being honest, chalk and cheese compared to the night before. Maybe the atmosphere had something to play with that as well. Um, how far off are Clare from Limerick? Obviously, they took the extra time. They drew with them in the round robin phase. Are these the closest challengers Limerick have had since maybe 2019 when Kilkenny defeated them? Yeah, it certainly looks that way. Um, it certainly looks it, you know, because uh, I was even looking at the stats and that, like, they, you know, they got Limerick got 114 from when they turned over Clare players and Clare got 14 points off turnover Limerick players. So the goal, obviously, is the massive score there. Yeah. And ultimately, it's what keeps Limerick alive. Um you know, Clare done so much so well on Sunday. But I suppose if you look at it and say the little things when you fall short, that that short, yeah, Tony Kelly came up with a massive play, but he also missed three or four frees during that match. So yeah. they're the little margins. And, you know, you're saying, God, how can you... I'm not criticising that. I'm just saying when you look for those little extra little percent here and there to get you over the line, that's where they are. Like when you look at the free taking how important was free-taking with us on Saturday night? TJ Reeves was flawless. Uh, and it's just critical to any team now. If you're going to put 12 balls down in front of a free-taker, he has to put over 11 of those every single day. Yeah, and, and just looking at the other teams too, Eddie, um, 
it would be reminiscent to say that Antrim and Kerry can't defeat either Cork or, or Wexford at the weekend in the preliminary quarterfinals because of course you were involved in a famous victory for Leash in a preliminary quarterfinal against Dublin so I think it is fair to say that we should show respect to those counties but if we work under the precedent that Cork and Wexford do get through have either of those sides any realistic chance of going much further in the competition beyond maybe a semi-final or, or do you think that they're probably gone as far as they can once they get to a semi-final stage and they'll take on the provincial winner whether it be Kilkenny or Limerick yeah well um, you know with the respect you would expect them to come through those matches you know Wexford's arguably have a very tricky one and in fairness to Antrim too by God, they're they're able to they're able to well able to hurl and they're no slouches when it comes to facing big opposition. So you would expect them to get over that, and and I just think that some you know we've Cork have took some fair criticism and rightly so at times, but equally if you look at the last couple of years, they've been there thereabouts with Limerick at times. So I think for them if they want to cut off, well you know say take out last year's All Ireland final, obviously they got well well clipped. But, you know, 2018, when Limerick made the breakthrough, Cork were, were six or seven points up coming down the straight. Um, they know what, I think what's happening, you're seeing with maybe Clare and other teams, they now look at, Limerick are being analysed up and down now. So their yeah. teams are bound to get a little bit closer. But Limerick have such belief and confidence in how they play and they have such a strong bench. They're able to take everything you can throw at them and more. Like, if you're a full back, for example, and you're having to deal with Shamie Flanagan or Aaron Gillan and then they b- bounce in you know Peter Casey apparently is not far off being able to play you throw in Boylan on you then so it's you know 60 minutes gone the match you're wrecked from dealing with him and now you have a fresh Conor Boylan who's 6 foot 3 6 foot 4 coming at you so that's where teams have to be able to go if, if you are going to go down the straight with them and Claire did on Sunday it's then being able to, to see the job out um and again, it doesn't look like there's, there's, there's someone going to stop him. But hurling is a funny game like that. There's, there's never any guarantees. And I think if Limerick look back on 2019, 25, 25 minutes of hurling cost them that match because they did hurl well after that. Their accuracy, I think, that 15 wides. So there's, there's little things like that there. But um, who knows? That's the beauty of hurling. It doesn't look it at the moment, maybe. In, in, in reality, Limerick looks to be the, the team to that are going to take all the stopping um, and you'd say teams have maybe give a little jump against them but they haven't really seen it out so we'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens and uh, one final question before I do let you go Eddie you obviously mentioned there that maybe Limerick are, are the stern favourites still despite Clare maybe narrowing that gap um, between themselves looking at the rest of the championship is it Limerick's to lose simple as that or do you feel now that there are challengers there that basically someone can stop this kind of dominance from Limerick this year or is it just a case of they are simply the best team and ultimately it's going to take an awful lot and a bit of luck like you say maybe a bad patch in a game for Limerick to not win the All-Ireland Yeah it, it, it appears that way Rob it appears you know they are they are in a real strong position they're in pole position and I think it is going to take, you know, something something big. You know, you're going to need, like when you look at the start that Kilkenny got in 19, that was obviously what catapulted yeah. Kilkenny forward and into a position in that match. And Limerick, you know, were shell shocks, you know, with the intensity. So um, that's that that in is it maybe a bit of luck like. And you, you're going to need a goal or two, I think, as well, because um, they, they you don't get in too easy there. 
And equally too, look, something something left field could happen. Like if you know a guy gets walked in the first 15, 20 minutes, that can have an impact too. So, um, but I think it's it's definitely in their own hands. You know, it's you know if their heads are right and they stay performing and they stay, keep pushing the standards in training that they seem to be doing then you'd say it's definitely in their hands and, and that would have been something that Brian always said to us that if our heads are right and our attitude is right there's no one to stop you when you bring that attitude and I think that's very uh, applicable to Limerick at the moment if Limerick bring what they're bringing the whole time they bring that consistency they are going to be very very difficult to stop well, Eddie, we'll certainly have a keen eye on it on the next few weeks. I'm sure you will too to see how it all pans out. Thanks very much for talking to me today. No, no bother at all, Rob. All the best. That, of course, was Kilkenny hurling legend Eddie Brennan. We're going to go from Kilkenny hurling to Carlow hurling. And this is our coverage of the launch from the Carlow hurling championship. I'm here with James O'Hara of Navon ahead of the Carlo Senior Hurling Championship starting this weekend. James, how much are you and the club looking forward to it now? Ah, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Sure, training all year for us. It's all about championship, you know yourself. Yeah, and obviously you mentioned it's all about the championship there. Just as a club, what is it like preparing for the championship? Is there an extra edge to it compared to maybe the Bulger Cup and the Kilkenny League? Ah, there is, yeah. Yeah, the tempo is intensity. It was be upped a lot in training and the lads are kind of going for championship, so... Definitely an extra edge to it, alright. How has training been going in general? Do you think it's been going fine? Do you think you're kind of at a good level heading into the championship now? Everything's going fine with the team? Yeah, look, we're not going too bad. Uh, a few lads out with bits of injuries, myself included. Um, uh, that's kind of hampered preparations a bit. A lot of matches, but uh, look at it all, on. not going too bad. Last year, of course, it was defeating the semi-final. What's the aim this year? Is it to try and lift the Carlos Senior Championship? Simple as that, or is it about taking it one game as it comes? Well, look at this one game as it comes. It's fairly competitive. Um, obviously, you want to uh, get your gain to your semi-final first and get to a final. And um, you know, really, it's one game at a time. See how we go. Well, James O'Hara of Navon, thanks very much for talking to us today, and the best of luck in the championship. Thanks very much. David English of Ballinkillen at the launch of the Carlo Senior Hurling Championship. Uh, David, looking forward to the start of the championship now? Yeah, of course, yeah. And I suppose um, in comparison to previous years, it's happening a bit earlier. So we're kind of we're getting the best of the summer weather and the pitches are in good condition, as you can see here today. And um, Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it. Just ready to get going now. As a player, starting a bit earlier, and obviously we see the pitch today, they're in great nick. Is that kind of an extra incentive? Not incentive as such, but an added bonus to playing hurling, that you do get to play in better conditions than maybe what had gone in years past? Yeah, absolutely. Like um, We're getting the prime conditions of summer. Um, the ground is lovely and hard. The ball should fizz around the place. But it puts you in a better humour going to trend as well. Um, rather than waiting until August, September to get going... Um, the ball's been thrown in in June like you couldn't ask for any better um, like hopefully we get the lovely weather that the summer brings um, like we saw what it was like down in Munster there at the weekend but you know you, you take the good with the bad but um, yeah delighted to be getting going in June You mentioned training there how have preparations been going for this year's championship because I'm sure you have lofty goals Yeah it's, it's been going quite well um, of course we've like any other team we, we pick up the odd injury here and there um, 
it's it's been a bit of a mixed bag I suppose we came out the Bulger Cup didn't really perform that well in it um, playing the Kenny League now and um, tipping along nicely got Sean Murphy back from the hurlers uh, got Parry Kynes and Cormac Lomax back from the footballers so we're starting to build them with every week um, so we need to use these the next two weeks we have our full panel as best we have and try and build and make sure that we hit the ground running against Michel uh, just going back over the last few years, you've been very competitive making county finals, being at the tail end of, of the championship. Is it about trying to go on now and make that extra step and become Carlow County Championship? Is it as simple as that, or is it more so taking it one game as it comes? And as you say, Michel is first up. Well, this was your, your goal for the year is to try and win a county championship. Um, and I don't think that changes. If you ask anyone here today, they probably all have the same goal. Um, but I suppose we reached county final in 19. Um, didn't really go great um, last year you know we had an awful lot of injuries um, but look these things happen every team suffers from the same thing so like our mindset this year is Michael and that's number one and like we have to go and win each game to, in order to get to the county final in order to become county champion so um, like we're not looking past Michael on Friday week and you know we just we have to get a result there yeah, and your manager, of course, is former Kilkenny legend Noel Larkin. What has it been like, not just for yourself, but the entire panel working with someone like that, uh, being involved in Ballinkin? Yeah, it's a great experience. Like, um, he's probably one of the most decorated hurlers that we that the country's produced over the last couple of years. So, um, getting to learn from Owen, getting to learn the kind of the Kilkenny mentality that was instilled in those teams back in the in the nineties and tens. Um, so, like, we're learning an awful lot from. Um, he's a fantastic mentor. He's a fantastic coach. So. Um, we're delighted to have him on board and to have a man with his experience there you know when he talks everyone listens and that itself is, is worth its weight in gold Well David English of Ballinkin thanks very much for talking to us today and best luck in the championship Cheers thanks very much I'm here with Alan Corkin of Bagginstown Gales Alan how much are you and the entire club looking forward to the new season? Yeah looking forward to it training has been going relatively okay um, county is over so boys are back so uh, yeah really looking forward to it and hopefully it'll be a good championship and how have preparations been going for the championship now obviously it'll be hotting up but the sooner you get to it it's starting this weekend is it really about intent- getting as intense as possible now preparing for match day yeah that's it exactly so look, everyone's looking forward to the first round it's always a, an intriguing game against Mountain Strangers for the county champions for whatever bigger task we have but no like I said yeah training's been going well so we'll give her a good week and then we'll taper down building into the championship the first round As you mentioned there you're taking on Mount Leicester Rangers it doesn't get any tougher than that is it about kind of you know taking on that challenge and, and enjoying it rather than maybe looking at the opponent at hand knowing how tough they will be Yeah look you have to relish it they're an incredible club incredible team what they've won over the last number of years speaks for itself Loads of ways playing the county team, so it'll be a huge challenge. But um, yeah, look, we're really looking forward to it. We believe in ourselves and the work we're doing, so hopefully we can put in a performance and, and compete as best we can. Yeah, and looking back on last year, how, how would you assess it going into this year? Is, is there a kind of room for improvement, or do you feel as though it was a solid enough year for the club? Yeah, it was a big improvement. But look, every year you go try and improve, sure, what, what else, what other point does it mean here? You know, but um, yeah, we got to the semi final last year and we're hoping to replicate that this year. And if you can progress, even better again. Are there any actual set kind of tangible goals at the moment? You mentioned last year, obviously, the semi final. You were very, very competitive in the championship last year. Is it about maybe going one step or even two steps further and lifting the trophy? Or is it just about taking it one game at a time and see how it comes? Well, look, obviously, look, the ultimate goal was to try and compete and try to win a championship. But we're really looking forward to the first game and that's it. 
we'll try to perform our best we can against one of the strangers and they will take the name pre game and game from game after that you know well Alan thanks very much for talking to us and best of luck in the championship no problem thanks very much cheers I'm here with Tommy Dunn from Nabry at the launch of the Carlo Senior Hurling Championship, Intermediate Hurling Championship, and of course the Junior Hurling Championship as well. Tommy, thanks very much for talking to us today. No better at all. Um, Tommy, obviously the championship just around the corner now. How exciting is it for the not just yourself but the entire club? Um, this year, especially for us, is very exciting. Um, just back up from from intermediate there, so yeah, it's a fairly big thing for us now to win and show what we're made of and try to get as far as we can into it. Yeah, just re- reflecting on last year, coming back up from intermediate, how much of a success was that for the for the whole club, and how much of a drive is it now to go on and kick on from that promotion? Um, sure, it was a massive thing for us anyway. After we had a few years there, we were struggling a good bit of numbers and likes of that. So coming up after winning intermediate, all out, we put in the effort for it, and hopefully the boys show up again now this year. Um, we're struggling with injuries and a few boys in the county hurting the football. So hopefully now once the championship starts up again, we'll be on the road you mentioned struggling with injuries there how, how have preparations been going has there been much numbers of training or have you been going kind of really hard at it for a while now um, we weren't going too hard it's just tipping away twice a week like in whatever the Kilkenny League with that and the Bulger Cup um, we're a few of that it's not not major just niggles and tight muscles and yokes like that but we don't really have the numbers to be horsing that so just looking after ourselves really is all we can do and how tough a challenge do you think senior will be? Is it about kind of taking that challenge head on and enjoying it, or is it more so sort of respecting the opponents that are there and maybe knowing that it will be a lot more difficult than what intermediate was? Um, well, we obviously know it's a huge jump from intermediate up to senior, um, especially like the, the likes there, the Sean Watcher and that, and Colin Brennan, all who have played senior, and very, very to be serious hurlers like, and they be filling in exactly what senior is like and what they expect. And first game up against St Mullins, of course, um, last year's runners-up, it doesn't get much tougher than that, does it? Uh, it doesn't, no. We played them there earlier on in the year, and in the Bulger Cup. And we know they're very skilled, they're a seriously physical team and all the rest, so all we can do is go in, put the head down and do what we can do. Final question, Tommy, just before I let you go. What are the aims this year? Is there a kind of goals and objectives set within the camp, or is it just about kind of taking it as it comes, each game as it comes? Uh, well, sure. Like the whole lot of us, like everyone here, we kind of the main goal is to get to at least the semi final. So that'd be the main thing we do sign it. But all we can do is take it as it comes and see what happens. Well, Tommy Dunham, Neighbury, thanks very much for talking to us. Uh, best of luck in the championship. No bother, thank you. On to golf now. The Live Championship has caused a lot of controversy. And Harry Ewing, our resident golf expert, had a chat with Robbie about it. Thanks Shane. As you said, I'm joined by our golf expert here on KCLR, Harry Ewing, to chat about an eventful week to say the least in the sport as the LIV Golf Tour launched in London. Harry, thanks very much for joining me today. Pleasure, Robbie. Good to talk to you. Always good to talk to you too, Harry. Um, Look, there's only one place to start. The LIV Golf Tour, it's been very controversial to say the least. What's your opinions on it, Harry? Yeah, uh, where to start, Robbie, I suppose. It's been talked about for many months now. We didn't know in what uh, format we'd eventually see it or or whether we would see it. There was a lot of, I suppose, hot air initially and speculation with very little detail. But 
as you rightly said, they, they've rocked up for the first event in the Centurion Club in London this week with 48 players and that team format that was talked about. But there's so many facets to it, I suppose, for people that don't know what it is. Live Golf, it's a bit of a strange uh, title, I suppose. Basically, Live is in Roman numerals, means 54. So that's the ideal round of golf. If you birdie every hole on a golf course, on a par 72, you'll end up with a score of 54. So that's the title. I suppose, basically, Live Golf is a, a rival golf tour. And, and why it's caused so much controversy is it's it's Saudi-backed, I suppose, with all the money that's over in Saudi Arabia. Um, it's a rival tour to the PGA Tour. And they're trying to draw away a lot of the, we'll say main players, but to be honest, they haven't really succeeded in, in a whole lot of that. But they've, look, they've drawn away, you know, a lot of players and and one or two of them are, are maybe uh, people that we'd be surprised that would leave the PGA Tour because um, they've competed there for a long number of years and, and have won major championships on that tour. So, look, it's very uh, divisive. It's a huge topic of conversation. Um, we don't need to, on a sports show, get too deep into the whole human rights and, and background as regards Saudi Arabia and, and uh you know, equal rights for women and allow, allowing them to have access to higher education, etc. and the murder of that journalist back in 2018, Jamal Khashoggi. So there's a lot to it, um, and a lot of commentators would see this as Saudi Arabia really trying to, you know, get involved in sports washing and, and, and trying over what their plan is maybe the next 10 years to try and change the image of their country, I suppose. And we've seen Saudi Arabia get involved in, as you as you used the phrase there, sports washing in, in soccer recently, investing in Newcastle United and in other sports also. They're obviously heavily invested in Formula One and, and across the whole range of sports, you'd have to say that they have their, their finger kind of on the pulse of a lot of sports these days. Why do you think this particular event, though, because I don't think any of those kind of prior Saudi-backed sporting events got as much coverage as this one. Why do you think this has really you know pinched a nerve with a lot of people? Is it because golf is an individual sport and we're able to pinpoint the players that have gone on to it or, or is there more to it than that? Yeah, I think you're, you're bang on. I think it's partly because it is an individual sport but that's also right at the heart of the reason why they have chosen golf to be their next venture. They've been involved in Formula One, snooker, as you said, Newcastle United Football Club but I think the fact that it is an individual sport that they can identify people that they want or people that they feel for different reasons as to what part of their career that are in these golfers that would be, you know, have their head turned and would be interested in, in going. And, like, let's be under no illusion, the money here is is quite astronomical. Um, the PGA Tour can't compete with that. The PGA Tour is a, is a different product. Um, but the money here is frightening. Like, we look at Dustin Johnson, who's probably one, is himself, Phil Mickelson, maybe, the two highest profile names that have come out and, and joined it are, and are playing this week in London. But Dustin Johnson reportedly has received $150 million to just join this tour, never mind what he can earn from playing in the tournaments. Now, $150 million to Dustin Johnson is double his total career earnings. And for a guy that's won 28 times on the PGA Tour and two majors in that, it's, it's staggering. And if anyone saw some of the sports news yesterday... DJ kind of shoots him the hip and, and says it like it is. He said, like, I was attracted because I want to play less golf, not more. He's quite happy that 
Uh, he'll play these eight events this year on the Live Golf Tour and the four majors, that's 12 tournaments, and he's quite happy to have 40 weeks of the year off. And, and when asked what he'll do with his 40 weeks, he said, I'll do whatever I want to do, you know? So, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's all about the money, and, and uh, there's no other way of saying that. Like, and I, To be honest, if you look at it, Robbie, the class of player that they have, while, while the likes of Dustin Johnson is by far and away the highest, ranked player but if you look at the whole the whole field that they have this year the average world ranking there is somewhere in around the, the 100 mark so like without putting too much of a toot and a lot of these players are past their best they have reasons for going there and the primary reason is money end of and, and some people will say look they're they're like independent contractors professional individuals sports people can do what they want and, and, and earn the money they want to secure their, their future but these guys have a hell of a lot of money uh, up to this point. And, and you know, Gray McDowell, our own Irishman, you know, he's come out with a lot of stuff. He seems to be kind of front and centre as a spokesman this week. But I'll be honest with you, a lot of what he's kind of put out this week is absolute rubbish and such irony. And, and it's just, it's amazing what money will do. It really is, and just you mentioned Graham McDowell there. He has been very outspoken about it all week, and has tried to kind of, to be fair to him, I think as you said, he's talked a lot of rubbish, but he has come forward and tried to back up um his reasons for playing in this tour. But just just with the likes of McDowell, Ian Poulter was questioning, and and he didn't really want to answer a question that was posed to him about whether he would play in any country on on moral grounds. For golf itself, these people at the end of the day are spokespeople for the sport, whether they like it or not. Has it been a really bad reflection on the sport, do you think, for across the week, or can it move on quite quickly from it? It has to be. To be honest, like, Graham McDowell's about the same age as myself, and I've come across him at different times doing some media stuff, and even on my own golf podcast, we had him on. And, like, he's a lovely fella, and Graham McDowell is no idiot. He's a nice guy, and, and he comes from humble beginnings up in Ratmore Golf Club, up right beside Royal Port Rush in Northern Ireland. So, like, he's a genuine fella, and I think he registers what goes on in the world as much as any of us do or any tour player does, even though they operate in a, in a bit of a bubble. But like I said, he's been front and centre this week. I think that's, you know, a, a role that he's obviously agreed to with this with this crowd. And, and like I said, some of the stuff that he's been coming out with is just, it's laughable, to be honest, you know. Um, you know, he's he's not ignorant to Saudi abuses. But something else mattered to him more, and 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 it's and it's money. And and look, in a way, he's world number three hundred and seventy-four. You know, he's been unlucky in so far as I suppose his game has kind of left him at an age where he's seven years shy of playing on the seniors tour, and he's stuck in no man's land. He's kind of he's not relevant too much anymore on the main European tour or on the PGA tour. But yet, he, he, he's not of an age where he can go and maybe try and get some easy money on the seniors tour when he hits 50. So he doesn't have the game that maybe the likes of Elie Westwood or these other guys uh, still do and, and that could survive and still play on the PGA Tour, even though they have chosen to go here as well. So, you know, I, I get it from his point of view. I do. Um, but like I said, he's, he's won a major in 2010. He was the iconic uh, guy that holds the pot in uh, in Wales in the famous Ryder Cup in 2010 in Celtic Manor, he's done very well for himself. He was arguably in the toss to be a future Ryder Cup captain. That will be gone now. And um, he's accepted the money, but he seems to have no understanding as to the damage that he's doing to his own brand. 
And moving on from the players individually, Harry, the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour, the PGA Tour especially, have gone to suspend any players that have joined this breakaway tour. What do you think the ramifications would be for those tours? Do they have to take serious action, as we have seen this week, quite quickly to deter other players from joining it? Or is it a case of, like you said, the money that these guys are making, there's an inevitability that eventually all the players will move to the to the LIV Tour and, and there's almost no stopping it? Well, this is the next stage, I suppose. We've had a couple of, you know, names announced that are going to actually play in the in the second tournament that's co- upcoming in Portland. And Bryson DeChambeau would be the highest profile one of those. And there's a couple more that have been, you know, reputed to kind of join the tour, as in Bubba Watson and maybe Matthew Wolf. But hey, there's no doubt, Robbie. There's there's a lot of pros sitting back and waiting in the wings, probably for this first flush to go through and let all the noise and the and the the commentary about it happen and, and then maybe jump on board the train after after two events or three events. And like the money isn't an object. You know, some people commented that you can only watch it on kind of social media or YouTube and they said actually for a for a throwing together our first tournament to watch it on YouTube was quite good because like these guys don't need to get anything back for their investment. So like, you watch it on YouTube and there's no adverts. It's just wall to wall golf. And and for some people who follow golf, that's what they want to see. And one of their biggest bugbears is actually having too many ads. But look, you're right. We'll have to see. I was glad to see the PGA Tour come out so strongly. They had no other option, only come out strong and and say that they were going to suspend. They haven't said how long that suspension will be for. Is it indefinite? Uh, Will there be legal ramifications coming from players? But the players must have looked into that already, I think. And, And like for Graham McDowell and Dustin Johnson to resign their membership directly before the start of this event there on Thursday, they must have got advice to say, well, we, we have to resign our membership if we want to go down this road. So, um, look, it remains to be seen what's going to happen. It's th- These players kind of, you know, in their interviews say, oh, competition is good for the game and it'll grow the game and improve the product for fans and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, this kind of, you know, angst and this kind of stuff isn't good for the game of golf, to be honest. And, and like... You know, the eight tournaments there this summer, you know, none of them are on terribly iconic golf courses where we'll have a whole lot of memories or, or a lot of what's known about professional golf is like what we do now in a, couple, in a few weeks' time is head back to St. Andrews for the 150th running of the Open Championship. And we all remember if we were there on a year who won or, or where we were watching or sitting when Tiger Woods won his Open in the year 2000 or 2005 or whatever. So... Golf is, is, yeah, some people say it's a bit stuffier about traditions and heritage, but that's part of it. And there's a hell of a lot of history in the professional game. And, and the PGA Tour is responsible for a lot of that. So, look, it remains to be seen who else will, will have their head turned. Is this going to be a, a flash in the pan that might last maybe a, a year or, or, or two? But um, who knows? But it's been huge news this week, and uh, I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. One golf course that is certainly iconic here in Ireland, that's the word you used about kind of history and tradition in the sport, is Mount Juliet. They'll be hosting the Irish Open in three weeks' time. We'll be there here on Scoreline. I know for certain you'll be there, Harry, following all the players around from Thursday to Sunday. Are you really looking forward to it now? It's great to have Mount Juliet hosting for a second year in a row, isn't it? It is, yeah. And look, Robbie, last year Mount Juliet had it and we were still under some COVID restrictions. So the fans, I think, were limited to... 5,000 on site and, and 
while that was great at that time to have some fans back in a, a live sports event, this year is going to be very different. I saw the European Tour sent out a tweet yesterday to say now it's the, the weekend tickets are completely sold out and uh, people would want to kind of get on board if they're thinking of maybe going to the Pro-Am on Wednesday or, or the Open Grounds on Thursday or Friday. But it's always very well supported, the Irish Open. The, the Irish sport fans, never mind golf fans, love a day out at a live sporting event. And, and Mount Juliet's a, a fantastic venue for that. So hopefully the weather behaves. And as you say, KCLR will be there and I'll be there with them for the week. So we're looking forward to that week in Mount Juliet. And while it's disappointing that maybe the likes of Rory McIlroy has chosen to give it a skip this year, we'll have our own homegrown players in the likes of Shane Lowry, Seamus Power down there from Waterford, Corey Carrington. So there's a lot to look forward to. The defending champion is coming back, Lucas Herbert, who's gone on to some great things since he won in Mount Juliet last July. So it's going to be a great week. Um, it should be a great atmosphere. And, and Mount Juliet is a fantastic venue and has been for over 30 years. Well, Harry, we're certainly looking forward to it here on the scoreline. I know for a fact you're looking forward to it. Looking forward to chatting to you, Dane, and thanks very much for chatting to me today. Cheers, Robbie. Thank you. That was Harry Ewing speaking to us about the LIV Golf Tour, the breakaway tour that's caused a lot of controversy this week and, of course, looking ahead to the Horizon Irish Open that's taking place in Mount Juliet in three weeks' time. Back to you, Shane. Talk about resident experts. We have them in all fields, particularly in all tracks. Yes, Joe Sheehan joins us here now to talk about greyhound racing in Kilkenny and beyond. What an absolutely cracking weekend of greyhound racing we have, folks, and it's a wonderful competition in the English Greyhound Derby this year. We're through to the quarterfinals and a massive local hand in this year's competition. We have Trap 1, Kildare, in the first quarterfinal. Trap 4, Cape Cloud, both of those trained by Mooncoin trainer Peter Cronin. In the stripes of Trap 6 in the same race, Priceless Jet runs for Paul Hennessy. So that's the quarterfinal of this year's English Greyhound Derby, which takes place tonight. It's majestic prize money, huge, huge prize money. And in the first quarterfinal, we have a massive local hand. Tim past seven is your off time for this one. And you can catch all the action on Sky Channel 437, Sky Channel 437, TV English Greyhound Derby quarterfinals tonight. Cracking action to look forward to. In the second quarterfinal, Hello Hammond runs from the white jacket of Trap 3 for Paul Hennessy. And of course, Paul Hennessy, Kilkenny man, he knows how to win the English Greyhound Derby. He's won it before and he has a fair chance of winning it again with his strong team of runners this year. The second quarter final, as I said, Trap Tree, Hello Hammond, that goes to post at 7.30pm. Also, in the English Greyhound Derby quarterfinals, we have a locally bred greyhound, Kilkenny Senti, well named, of course, coming from the Lennon line, and best of luck to all our local runners. In the English Greyhound Derby quarterfinals tonight, in Toaster, across the pond, Elsewhere, back on the Emerald Isle in Shelburne Park tonight, we have the Sporting Press Irish Oaks semi-finals. Two strong local runners here. In the first semi-final, Trap 3, Rahamofo, and Trap 4, Droopy's Gloss, both hailing from the local Mert Lahi Kennel. His kennel is on fire at the moment, popping out winners left, right and centre. So best of luck to our locally connected greyhounds. In the semi-final of the very, very prestigious Sporting Press Irish Oaks, this is one of the best competitions in the world for bitches only. And Droopy's Glass and Rahamofo have a huge chance of giving Mert Lahi success in this year's competition. So best of luck to them. Elsewhere, 
down in Tralee last night we had the race champions 15,000 euro to win this one and good Cody finished second in the first semi-final of course owned by the Kennedy family their father John comes from Erlingford so that is the local connection to this one. He goes through to next week's final of the Race of Champions. €15,000. It's a wonderful prize money. Wonderful to see such a great competition down in Tralee and such great local interest in that one. So best of luck to all our local runners across the country and across the pond tonight and over the coming weeks and months ahead. Back to Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium where last night we had a cracking competition. The Mary Ramsbottom Memorial Novice Unraced. We had the second round last night, three heats, and we emerged to the semi-finals next week. So, round two, heat one, of the Mary Ramsbottom Memorial Novice Unraced was won very impressively by 3.65 in a quick time of 28.96, leading from the second bend and finishing on like a train to take the glory for the Pines of Hino Syndicate. What a name for a syndicate. And trained by Scott Phelan. The second round... Second heat was won by Kilcarrig Magpie. Very, very impressive indeed. 29-16, leading all the way from track to line. Kilcarrig Magpie winning here at a price of 2-1 to one on. So was well supported with the bookmakers last night. Great to see a massive crowd in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium last night and the betting ring. A hive of activity as always. Wonderful to see what a great night out it is in our local track in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium. So wonderful work being done there at the moment by track management and the Kilkenny so wonderful to see the track in pristine condition at the moment. The third round of the Mary Rams Bottom Memorial competition was won by Captain Garfio. Time of 28.99 at a price of 4 to 5. Another favourite. The bookies lost a few quid in this one. 28.99 the clock, owned and trained by Kenneth Busteed. So we emerged through to the semi-finals of the Mary Rams Bottom Memorial next week in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium. Lots of fundraisers upcoming at our local track, folks. We have the Three Castles GA, Liz Downey GA, Emerald GA coming up in the next weeks and months ahead. The sales are on the 2nd of July and, of course, some fantastic greyhounds have been bought out of the Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium sales. And well done to Young Ireland's GA and Barrow Rangers GA who had fantastic fundraisers in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium over the previous month. So well done to them. It's been a wonderful couple of weeks in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium. Some fantastic competitions and we're looking forward to a jam-packed calendar of activity in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium in the weeks and months ahead. Elsewhere, on the card last night, Calera Oak won the opener. Very nice performance here, 29-36. Another favourite here, coming in at 4-7. to seven. Very strongly supported in the betting ring, owned by Philip O'Keefe and trained by Michael Donnelly. So well done to them. They have a nice prospect on their hands indeed. And finally, Lily White Queen, 28.88 was the time of this one's victory. A very nice performance. Evens money was the price of this one. Another favourite, showing deadly early pace and going on to win for owner Paul Finn and Mark Lahey. So, some very nice performances in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium last night indeed. And as we said, we, we move on to the Mary Ramsbottom Memorial semi-finals next weekend in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium. Across the pond, we have the quarterfinals of the English Greyhound Derby with lots of local interest with Peter Cronin from Moonkind and Paul Hennessy from Kilkenny having runners over there as well. Sky Channel 437 to catch the action in this one. Best of luck to Mark Lahey and his team in the Sporting Press Irish Oak semi-finals tonight. What a prestigious competition that one is. And best of luck to good Cody as well, running for the Kennedy family down in Tralee next weekend for the Race of Champions final. Oh, it's hard to keep up with it. But Greyhound Racing is a hive of activity at the moment. Wonderful to see 
tracks packed across the country and some wonderful new sponsors coming on board as well. Great to see and best of luck to all our local runners this weekend. Have a good one. Scoreline was at the awards tonight for the Carlo and District League and Ken Maguire caught up with Chairman Noel Jordan. Friday night 10th of June we're at the Carlow and District League Annual Soccer Awards 36th outing Noel Jordan is here Noel how's the season been? Uh, hi Ken uh, absolutely fantastic season um, after a break of two years because of the Covid pandemic we finally got to fill the season and complete um, complete season and it's gone really well the Premier Division was very tight Division 1 and Division 2 very tight Cup competitions all went down to the wire so yeah absolutely great season Turned out to be pretty good for one uh, for one club in particular. New Oak seemed to have nearly a clean sweep across the system. Yeah, look, it was one of them seasons that no one could ever could only dream of. And I suppose coming into the season, Gavin Dolan and the players themselves would be hoping just to maybe the Premier title itself and probably a cup as well. But to win the quadruple itself like was just absolutely amazing. And of course, it was history in the making. It's never been done before. So you have to throw your hats off to New Oak boys for what they achieved this season. And to get to the semi-final of the Leinster Junior Cup as well was absolutely magnificent season. What are we looking at in terms of the total awards that are given out then over the course of the night? Um, the total amount of awards to be given out here tonight is 47 awards in total, um, ranging from uh, the league and cup winners. Um, of course, the most promising young player of the year, referee of the year, lifetime award recipients, and of course the KCLR Carla Shield and the LFA Junior Shield as well. So 47 in total. Ken. And then looking ahead to looking ahead to next season, optimistic again. There'll, there'll be more plans. Anything anything that we can be looking out for. I suppose you never know from, from one season to the next. Um, you're always waiting until the affiliation forms comes in towards the end of May or June to see what the lineup is going to be. But I'd imagine it'd be more or less the same as last year, except next year we're going to have Vale in the Premier Division, which is going to be exciting. It's the first time in the Premier Division, and it's a very good young squad, a very talented squad. So I'm, I expect Vale to do really well next year in that division. And not to put you on the spot, but the last question for you any particular highlights for you over the season? Uh, I suppose, look at um, the highlight for me this year was actually just getting it completed. Um, to get our season finished uninterrupted for me as chairman of this league was the most important thing. Um, and look, at, it's really congratulations to all our winners, both League and Cup and, and Shield champions. Um, and hopefully next year will be as competitive as this year. was Noel Jordan Carlo and District League chairman now we all know our Robbie loves a bit of handball and he conducted three interviews over the weekend with Billy Love Martin Lawler and Desi Keegan Now I'm delighted to be joined by GA Handball President Desi Keegan as we look ahead to the failure that's taking place across Kilkenny and Carlo next weekend Desi thanks very much for talking to me today You're very welcome now thanks for having me um, Desi, I suppose the failure for anyone that's associated with the GA is possibly the biggest event, probably the biggest event at underage level for, for GA players, hurlers, footballers or handballers, of course. We're focusing on handball today. Just just for people that maybe are unsure about how significant the fail is in handball, could you, could you describe to us how important it is for, for players and for clubs alike? Yeah, look, it gives them a great focus, but I suppose... You know, there's a, there there is the elite divisions, but then you go all the way down. You know yourself. So yeah. I suppose for me, on a personal level, to see 
the Division 3s and all them playing, that they're generally the players who would never, ever get an opportunity to compete in a national event, you know, because, you know, whatever reason, they probably wouldn't be strong enough to get out of their club or county uh, or even their province for that matter. So I suppose it's given all players of all abilities the chance to play in a national event. I think that's the, the real big thing there. And the fact it's all one day and everyone is together, it's such a brilliant community event. It's just everything that the GA is about. And um, I suppose we're very lucky in handball too that I suppose for handball it, it gets another edge because it's, it's indoor and everyone is in the one little venue. Whereas on some of the football pitches, they're all over the place and the teams tend to stick to their corner and might mix as much in other with other teams. But in handball, everyone mixes with everyone. So you could have a, a young girl who just after starting handball maybe a few months ago playing in one of the... Uh, developmental uh, divisions sitting beside someone you know she could be from Leash for example and she could be sitting beside someone she never met before from Donegal uh, who's also taking up handball and strike up relations and friendships and stuff like that so that, 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 that's, that's the fantastic thing about Fela yeah, that that's something that I think a lot of our listeners maybe that aren't kind of, you know, ingrained in handball as much as other people, including myself. I, I would have had a strong background in handball, as some of our listeners might know. Um, you kind of you just become one community if that makes sense in the sense that like you said it, it's you know you could be from the bottom of Cork or the top of Donegal but everyone is in together in the one alley whatever it may be and you're constantly mingling with people so not just the actual handball and the sporting side of things it's a great social event too isn't it to bring the whole handball community together yeah I think it's a very good point um, and it's something I think is missed on some people I think when it comes to handball but like, I think the best example I can give you as well is there recently with Gail in above in Galway and I, I was talking to a mother there and she was on, oh, it's great bringing the kids around and stuff. And she said, oh, she said, see that lady over there, she's on, she's pointing at a lady who was from the other side of the country and said, oh, two of us met there four years ago and the veins, and she we're best friends now. You know, even for the yeah. parents themselves, like, it, it's very unique. So obviously, you know, with me going around, I'm getting to know your dad well and your sister, like, you know, like, yeah. all the games. And, you know, Noel there won recently with Aoife, like, you know, and I'm seeing them at another event. And, like, we'll always have that relationship, like, you know, that type of way. Yeah. When I finish up as president, if I see your family, you know, five years from now, out in Canada at a world event, you know, we'll be, we'll know each other, you know, that sort of way. Like, yeah. And it is a small community, but that is the unique thing about handball, for sure, that you genuinely do make friends for life. And what can start to happen, too, is, you know, Parents get involved at an official level, so they, they they stay even longer, you know, and they have that unique passion for the game because they're trying to develop a game. So Billy Love is a fantastic example, you know, like his his all his children, most of them that I know anyway, would have played handball to a very high level, and that would have spurred him on. And here he is now, even though his children back then are now grown adults and doing their own thing, and some of them are still playing handball, but he's still involved as a coach, you know, that sort of way, like you know, yeah. so. It's a fantastic, it's a fantastic thing. Yeah, we're going to speak to Billy a little later on on Scoreline as we look ahead to next weekend's Fela. The handball itself, um, Desi, kind of, do you feel as though it is maybe, like you said, for, for more so players like myself when I was younger, to get the chance to play at a national level or, or how important maybe for people that would be unsure is the failure? Because, of course, in hurling and football, it's arguably the pinnacle of underage um, hurling and football in the GA. But but is it is it likewise for handball? Uh, yeah, like, look, let's, let's be honest about it. Like, it's not easy for... 
no matter what sport anyone plays or even be it academic, like, you know, it's not easy for someone who mightn't just be a natural in a game and, and you know, for whatever reason, they mightn't just get to the top of that game, but it is lovely to be able, for them to be able to say, look, I got to play in a national event and, like, I, I always believe that a lot of people know that perhaps there mightn't be the least of any business or, in your instance, like, Noel is the elite, like, you know, but at one stage, you know, that she wasn't um, when she was young and, it's these events that will keep people like that going another another year or two until maybe it can step up a level. You know, that sort of way. Yeah. It can be very disheartening for a child in handball or football or handball, Camogie, for example, who maybe has been left on the bench or really don't get game time. Uh, and handball is no different. If, if, if you have a player getting best, you know, in the club championship and never really get to play on outside the club or even the county, tend to get very bored, you know, and they might say, actually, this is me and walk away, whereas this is the exact opposite. Next next week in uh, Carroll, Alicia, and Kilkenny, hundreds of young people from all over the country are going to descend for one day, and not only are they going to play people outside, they've never played, some of these people have never played outside their club before, and now all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, a Kilkenny team could be playing against uh, a Lock McCrory team from Tyrone, and like, wow, that, that young person who okay, they mightn't have the standard at the moment and it's only developing. That could be the difference in keeping them in the game and now all of a sudden that could be your, your new Noel Dowling or you know, Shane Dunn or someone of that calibre. You know that sort of way. Yeah, and I suppose just for Kilkenny and Carlo in particular, that's our focus here, Desi. To be hosting the Fela, could you think of two counties that maybe are more suitable because there is a lot of infrastructure in place in both counties to host such a grand event, isn't there? county in the country really like for, for handball like they've an incredibly strong county board Carlow I suppose with Jeff Atkinson getting heavy involved in our last few years is beginning to develop itself a bit more um, we have just recently as a few days ago announced that for the first time in our history we're going to have the retinent officers in all four provinces so you know I was doing an interview this morning about that and, and at the end of the day handball is going to turbo charge over the next 12 months and we would definitely identify Carlo as being somewhere that, that, that can absolutely drive on a lot more. But Kilkenny is number one, to be honest with you. And that's why so many events go down to Kilkenny and Carlo is because there's such a passion there. Like, so, for example, like Billy Love and Lynn Mahan will be spearheading this event and Patsy Dowling and uh, obviously everyone else is helping them. I mean, and, 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 and I'm not being um, funny when I say this, like when we at national level said, Look, we will approach Carlo, Kilkenny, uh, and, and Lisa. I know your relationship is, is, is Kilkenny and Carlo, but the thing is, we, we can relax them because when counties like that take this stuff on, we, we have nothing to worry about. These people are just so, so good at what they do. And the reason they are is because we are the hotbed of handball for as long as I'm around and long before that, too. Like So there's generation upon generation of knowledge there that's just make handball tick. Yeah, I think that's fair to say as someone that um, particularly at a younger age would have been involved in handball heavily I must say that the infrastructure is in place across Carlow I must say myself as well I think there's been a lot of improvement there and Kilkenny as you said probably the, the main staple county for handball for many a year now and they continue to, to strive forward 
Desi, just before we kind of let you go, was switch our focus away from the fail. A handball in general has suffered a really tough period. It must be said, anyone within the sport would have known that during COVID, a lot of competitions were cancelled, had to be played later than what would usually be the case. How do you think it's recovering now that we are stepping out of the pandemic? Do you think that you're seeing kind of across the board more numbers playing at a, and at a more frequent basis or, or has has kind of long-lasting damage been instilled in, in the sport? I don't know. I, I don't see any long-lasting damage. Um, there has been a hit, for sure. Um, like, for example, like we have 61 teams well north of 300 competitors uh, going to fail next week. That's down around 16 teams before COVID, which isn't too bad, you know, in fairness. Like, you yeah. know, it's not the worst thing in the world. But no, we're, we're, we're like I mentioned earlier about the Metendoss, we're moving into a very, very positive space here now that two major things have happened over the last few months is number one, is we have integrated into a GA coaching game development department. That is absolutely massive, Robert, because now that we're in that department, all the trimmings come with that. So we have a director now called Shane Flanagan, a Kildare man, and he, you know, we're under him now. And, you know, I, I met, that's who I meet this morning as well. And we're in the room now where decisions have been made. Handball has been talked about and, you know, like they're driving us on. And a part of what has already happened is, like I said, uh, last week we announced a bulletin was released there the other night um, where we're going to employ in a development officer in each province. That has never happened in the 100-year history of handball. Never happened. Now it's happening. So, like I said, fair enough, COVID, yeah, it was a disaster, but it did present us an opportunity where we could just take a pause and reflect where we are and where we're going. And now that we've done that, um, we put a plan in place to be honest with you, it would be very hard to put that plan in place if we were just in, in normal times, you know, that sort of way. Yeah. So, and that plan has happened now. So, yes, we took a couple of steps back, but now we're going to take five steps forward. We spoke to you two years ago, and I promise this is the last question now, Desi. We spoke to you two years ago on the show, and you mentioned a lot of these words at the time that were needed in handball, development officers, structures in place. How important is it, now now that you tell us that that all these things are being put in place, how important is that for not just the short-term future of handball, which maybe has been too much focused upon by people in certain positions over the last, you know, countless number of years in the sport, but that you look, you're looking longer term, and as you said, development offers at provincial level are absolutely crucial to sustain the sport, not just in the hotbeds of handball like Kilkenny, but also in other counties around the country, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's like, I... I very straight talker I suppose Robert like and the hardest thing for the handball volunteer I, I found anyway is loneliness and what I mean by that is it's alright when you go down to the hurling club of Lachlan or wherever like Valley Hill Shamrocks you know there's probably 30, 40 people drifting in and out of the club there from from people who mark the pitch to paint and whatever referee and whatever there's people all different but there's no handball club there there might be one or two old souls doing all the hard work and you see, if you're a provincial development officer, even simply ringing that person up, like you can imagine Billy Love there now. Now, Billy's probably a bad example because, you know, he he just, you know, he's an unbelievable amount of energy. Like, But I'm saying, you know, if he gets an old phone call every now and again from the development officer saying, look at Billy, I want to come down there next week, maybe spend a bit of time with your club, help you out. That just is going to insert energy into people like that. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, and yeah. Jeff Atkinson there in Carroll, or, you know, he, he few of them there in Carroll are flying the flag for last year. You know, if a professional person rang them up and said, look, let's get a meeting together. Let's see what we can do for Carroll Handball. Maybe we can get on to sports partnership in Carroll Handball and get a few one-mile courses up in some of the schools. That would, that, would, that would inject serious energy into our volunteer base. It, like, I think that's the biggest thing I would see 
coming from these development officers is the injection of energy that they're, they're going to give our volunteers. If that, and then everything I feel will flow from that. Like if you have people who are enthusiastic and full of energy, only positive stuff can happen. Well, Desi, as someone that has a real passion and love for handball, it's great to hear that the sport's going in the right direction. And thanks very much for talking to us today on Scoreline. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes, that was GA Handball President Desi Keegan previewing the failure that takes place in Kilkenny Carlo and Leash next weekend and also giving us a brief backdrop of what's happening in the world of handball at the moment. Don't go anywhere here on Scoreline. Now on Scoreline, in the final of our interviews, previewing next weekend's failure that's taking place across Kilkenny, Carlow and Leash, I'm delighted to be joined by Kilkenny Handball Development Officer and National Failure Representative for the GA, Billy Love. Billy, thanks very much for talking to me today. Thanks for having us on, Robert. Billy, we've been, we've been discussing it with, with Desi Keegan, GA Handball President and PRO of Kilkenny Handball, Martin Lawler, what the failure means for... For, for players, how important is it for Kilkenny Handball to be hosting such a, a coveted event? I suppose we, we pride ourselves in doing things properly, so I suppose we we do everything we can to do it properly, so it give us the opportunity to showcase this as, as well as we were able to do it. Um, Kilkenny, Carlo and Leash are hosting it, so we have three counties to, to pull in, so we we can't give Kilkenny all the prayers for it, so in the other two counties as well. Yeah, of course. So we we couldn't walk, we couldn't hold the host without him. There wouldn't have enough clubs. Yeah, it is great to see yeah. the other two yeah. counties involved. Yeah. Billy, there's yeah. so many clubs across the three counties have played in the fail throughout the years. It's really a competition that that gets the best out of clubs, isn't it? And kind of people come together, volunteers, players, parents, all come together, and and really strive for, the, for to play in the fail and to be involved in such a such an event. Yeah, fellas going a long time. I think fellas started in ninety three or eighty three, sorry, nineteen eighty three as far as I can remember. I wasn't around at that time. My first involvement would have been uh ninety two, I think. I think we were yeah. in Galway and we've been in a lot of time since and the amount of people you'd meet from different counties that play fella, that participate in it, like we had it in Kilkenny last time we had it in Kilkenny there was seventy eight teams I think in it. Um, yeah. from all over the country that was all in in, in uh, 4320 this year now we're incorporating uh, wall ball as well this weekend and in July we'll be putting in 6330 but it's a huge opportunity for young children to get out and show their skills that wouldn't normally get out in, in, in representing their county and because they're representing their clubs and it's a huge boost to a club I suppose it's a great promotional tool in the club as well that when youngsters see their peers that be playing is what they look up at maybe smaller ones see the older that's playing and they say which we might stay playing and playing that as well you know it is a great tool for, for juvenile club tournaments you know and there's no opportunity like it really Billy for players of all levels whatever it may be to get out into a handball court and like you say they've incorporated wall ball this year which is great to see the sport continuing to grow at, at underage level it, it's just it's unique in its own right isn't it that that the fact that players it doesn't matter how good or bad you are you're given the chance to play in such a wonderful tournament a national tournament yes and and and, and in fairness to Fela they promote the four codes they promote the Komogi the Hurland they do football as well now, sorry, five rounders as well, which is another one to promote, and that's been very much for this year, I think, and yeah. the handball. And we've seen it in Dublin, when it was held in Dublin a few years ago. All them youngsters hurling handball, come walking, the whole 
every one of them got together and they stalled O'Connell Street in Dublin. Our parade came down the middle of O'Connell Street. So there's not many there's not many organisations in Ireland that, that can hold the centre of Dublin to, to a full stop for an hour. Yeah. That happened. It was in that parade and it was brilliant that, that you could hold such a a major thoroughfare in a, in, in a major city to a standstill and all under 14s had done that. And that, that's unbelievable, you know. Yeah, I, I must. I must say, I think I was in that that parade myself man, with, with Motlu. It was incredible. Just the amount of amount of numbers that were oh, there. Yeah, that was unbelievable. It yeah. was. Um, but but you mentioned there, kind of everyone comes together. It is at an age, you know, where people start to drop off, particularly from handball, but all sorts of sports. But you know, we have seen, unfortunately, around that age, fourteen, fifteen, thirteen years of age, whatever it may be, that there is a drop off. But the failure is a great tool to keep people involved in the sport isn't it I think it has certainly worked well in Kilkenny and further afield throughout the years for people to really yeah. you know love the sport I suppose really love it Kilkenny really loved all the sports um, and I suppose as you and I yourself in playing handball it's a sort of a unique sport that you yeah. either love it or you hate it you know and most people I think who play it love it because it's, it's, it's you're out on your own and it gives you a chance of opportunity to play as a team for your club as well uh, it's a great sport handball is a great sport a lot of people wouldn't agree with that no, but we, we love our sport and when you get involved in it it's like a, it's like a drug it's very very hard to get out of it yeah, and it's it does a- now I mean it's in thought 92 I think it was 91 or 92 I said every year for the last couple of years I think a house it's time to get out now it's time to get out but um, something just draws you back in I don't know what it is it's like a, your father is the same I see your father he plays handball in mortal way He's the same. He's getting dragged in every year. Johnny Brendan Mortal getting dragged in again. Martin Lawler dragged in. Um, Liam Mann below Gores Bridge he gets dragged in. It's just, it's just like a, a magnet. It just won't let you go. It holds on to you. <laughs> yeah, as someone that has a stake in a lot of sports, I must say I completely agree with that sentiment. Yeah, I think yeah. that there is something very, very special about handball. And I think when you yeah. get it, uh, there is no sport like it. And as the saying goes, it truly is a sport for life. Um, Billy, yeah. Billy... Volunteers like yourself, they're so crucial for clubs moving forward. They're so crucial for this failure to be held. Would you like to pay a tribute to them? Uh, without without the officials, like when we went, when we went looking out. I was this this year was a little bit of a problem. So, Lee's Carlo and Kenny sort of decided to, to run the failure this year. It was supposed to go somewhere else, but unfortunately, Crow Park wasn't available, so it wasn't possible to run as far as it was supposed to be run. So, we jumped in at the helm and I suppose I picked up two great, two great men on the way with me. Liam Mann, Agoris Bridge and Patsy Dowling of Mo, of um, one of they up in Leash. And we worked hard since now in there in fairness, you know. But every court and every officer we went to, they all readily agreed to help as much as ever they could. Nobody said, oh, no, I'm not doing that. Everyone was, was enthusiastic to get him. Every club now. That was the few clubs now, unfortunately. I mentioned Kelsey and Kilkenny. Unfortunately, they're doing up their courts, and and they couldn't host, they couldn't um, facilitate it with their with their venue. But unfortunately, that it's safe to get to come in first, and they couldn't. It just it just wasn't ready in time, and it's a pity because they would have been able to showcase their new forty twenty court down there, and that is a shame now, you know. Yeah. But, uh, everyone, everyone that could jump in, jumped in to help. Yeah. And and just generally, <coughs> Billy, as development officer in Kilkenny, how do you see the future? For Kilkenny handball, I mean, we spoke to Martin Lawler. He mentioned the tremendous success, really, the the unparalleled success of Kilkenny handball at juvenile level from under fourteen up to under seventeen. Um, do you think? Do you just see it going from strength to strength, or are you a bit worried that maybe the pandemic impacted in, in a negative way? 
we thought we thought the the COVID would have had a huge impact on it, but all clubs are are nearly back up and running again. Any of them that were that wanted to get up and get running back again, but it looked like we were never going to run it again. And even this year, they were saying that um they, they brought up the sale at under fifteen this year to allow for the few that might not have played it in, in the last two years to give them an opportunity to play. So that was why they brought up to fifteen. So that that has helped. Now a lot of people wouldn't agree with fifteen. But um, that's and that it is a good opportunity to give players the opportunity to play, you know. Why why do you think it is important that's brought up to fifteen? Maybe if you went into further detail, Billy, because obviously traditionally it would have been under fourteen, certainly would have been under fourteen when I was playing um a long time ago now at this stage it must be yeah. said. What why is it important that it is fifteen? Is it about encompassing all levels and bringing kind of as many people involved in it and to, to stay in the sport for that year longer? Well, I, I think it's just maybe yeah, maybe for this year, maybe. It might happen again next year, but I'd say you can see going back to 14. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't be a lover of 15 myself, no, I'll be honest with you. No, what are the reasons no, for that? Otherwise, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't know. Um, and the reason is because 15-year-old is very, very strong. A 14-year-old yeah. will say he's, he's, he's okay. The very, very good 14 will never play in a different division anyway. They'll be in Division 1 to fight. But the 15-year-olds coming in are way stronger than the 12-year-old, we say. So... It, they know in Hurling you go out in the pitch and you can get the 12-year-olds, you can get two teams, maybe 7 or 8, 15-year-olds and 7 or 8, 13-year-olds, but you can mix them. So you can put a 13 on a 13 or a, a 12 on a 12 or a 15 or a 15. Can't do that in Hamburg. They could get two 15-year-olds, yeah. then you get two 12s and they could get annihilated. And that, that, that'd be my worry. Yeah, I, I certainly yeah. think that is a worry as someone that played. Yeah, that'd um, be my worry, yeah. You, but, but, you would yeah, be a bit you. worried that the age gap yeah, w- would yeah. cause a bit of a difference. Before yeah, we let you go, Billy, it's all kicking off next weekend. When does it start? Is it Friday evening? Is it Saturday morning? No. When, when does it get going? It, it's, it, used this, it used to be Friday evening through to Sunday, and they've condensed it down now into Saturday only. We'll be starting... One-day event. Yeah, one-day event, yeah. One-off, yes. It was, uh, it, it was long gone out, see, when... In the past, you know yourself, there was host counties coming in, there was host families putting people up and everything, and, and that's all done away with now. So I suppose you're looking at cost on parents coming down distance. Like we have people coming from down, up from from Tyrone, um, Cork, the west of Ireland, those there was coming from Inish Moor out in the islands. That's a long old journey and, and cost on people, you know. So I say the way they condensed it down in one day was, was just for that reason alone. It's, uh, but it's better anyway, you get more teams in it. Yeah, well, it, it, it's interesting to see how it will go, and we'll certainly be covering it across yeah, next yeah. weekend yeah, here yeah. on Casey Law. Billy, thanks very much for talking to me today. I really appreciate the time you gave up. Thanks, Robert. Thanks very much for having us. No problem at all. That was Kilkenny GA Development Officer Billy Love speaking to us today on Scoreline as we look ahead to next weekend's fail is taking place across Carlow, Kilkenny, and of course Lee. Stick around here on Scoreline. Now on Scoreline, we'll continue the promotion that we've been doing across the day of the GA handball failure that's taken place in Carlow, Kilkenny and Leash next weekend. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined on the line by Kilkenny GA handball PRO, Martin Lawler. Martin, thanks very much for joining us today. You're welcome, Robert. Martin, the Fela, it's one of the biggest events in handball, certainly at underage level. How exciting is it for handball in Kilkenny, Carlow and Leash, of course, but you're associated with Kilkenny to be hosting such a such a brilliant event? Oh, it's great, Robert. Um, as we all know, the failure is one of the biggest days in juvenile uh, G activity in, in the country. And we continue the opportunity, along with Carlo and Leash, to host the handball section of it. 
I suppose, like a few years ago, what was a sort of, of huge benefit to handball was that it was separated from the the, the hurling day. So like for years, there would often be a conflict with players as regards playing hurling and handball. So since we've had the failure just as a handball specific day, it's grown from strength to strength and hopefully this year it'll, it'll grow even more because um, like now we also have a 40 by 20 failure along with one wall and then uh, later in August we'll probably have the, the softball version. So it's it's really exciting from, from a handball point of view. It's great for all the counties across the country, particularly this weekend, to come down to, um, to Kenny, Carrow and Leach. Yeah, for for club players, Martin, I suppose, I spoke to the handball president, Desi Keegan, on the show, and he mentioned that it gives them the chance, you know, whatever level you're at to play in the national competition, to to exactly. be a, to be able to, to do that in Kilkenny handball, to to host such an event, you know, you don't kind of see that in other GA codes, with the greatest of respect, uh, you kind of have to be elite to be playing at this level, but to play in the national competition and to be able to hold that, it's a real coup for, for Kilkenny handball, isn't it? Oh, without, without uh, Robert, and you know, like for Kilkenny, Cardo and Leach, we're no strangers to hosting the big events, you know, like we're going back over 20 years, we've hosted the World Handball Juniors and yeah. uh, overage events, and we've hosted Leinster Oakens, Irish Nationals in both softball and uh, four wall, sort of a 20, you know, so like these events to, to us in Kilkenny, Carlow and Leach is is not new and we're well equipped with all the clubs and well we have uh, 10 I think it's 10 clubs we have in Kilkenny you know like the boys in, in Leash and Carroll they come on board and a couple of clubs are Cully Hill and Monavay in, in Leash and then you have Boris and Tin Ryland and Gary Hill Law and Carroll so they come on board we all work together um, it's a simple it's a simple system for want of a better way of putting it but as we all know we're at it for so long like you know the structures are are relatively easy to us at this stage and all the clubs like they all embrace these competitions. You know, any time they've ever come to Kilkenny, we've never been or Carlo Leach, we've never been found wanting. Anyone that's come down here to really enjoy their, their stay and you know, it's it's a great day at handball or it could be a great weekend handball, but like in this case it's just a day. But the point I'm making is that, you know, Kilkenny Carlo Leach, we're well used to, to hosting the likes of the sale and we love having it. It's a great um it's a great thrill every time we have it. The clubs embrace it. Um all the volunteers come on board and everyone goes home and have a good day at handball and as you said there, the players, you know, they compete at their own level and that's very, very important and like, there's usually five or six different grades um, as regards levels of handball and, uh, you know, that's, that's, if that's very important for the kids that they can go and they can get three or four or five, whatever number of competitive games where the field have had a chance to compete with somebody at their own level. Yeah, as someone who who has played in the failure for my own small club, Motel, in the north of Kilkenny, I, I must say it's one of the highlights of my time in a handball court. I was never, um, as as many people know, I was never a, a, a classified as an elite level, I suppose. But just yeah. to play in a competition like that, and there's so many others like me where I think, you know, even if you're not you know, near the top, you fall in love with the sport across the weekend because it just brings everyone together. And there really is nothing like it, particularly underage level, isn't there not, Martin? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Without a doubt, um, Robert. And that's the, I think that's the success of the failure, you know. To take, I suppose, when the failure was started originally with hurling and the football, it was about having a, a celebration of Gaelic games. And handball came on board then. And, you know, as I said there a couple of minutes ago, you know, it's brilliant that we have our own weekend of handball within the failure. Yeah. Like, like we're not sort of smothered by 
the hurling aspect of it because obviously that's going to be bigger and there's more counties and to be uh, to be more high profile. So for us to have it this weekend in 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 to Kenny Carroll and Leash, it's you know the focus. For argument's sake, the best way to put it, there's not I don't need any other handball on this weekend in the country. So all the yeah. focus is on on these three counties, which is absolutely brilliant for handball. And it's great for kids who are involved in handball because they can go play somebody different and they can see how, how we can go to a one-day event and, you know, they get a few games, you go home happy. Yeah, and I must say, I just I'm going off my own experience here. We we went twice. Um, the boys' side in Mortal, and I just found Martin. Um, looking at it from afar, when I was younger, I didn't play in the first time, and the second time I was playing, it kind of there's nothing like it in the sense that it brings everyone together. You know, if you're kind of half in or out of handball, and you're you're going to other sports, and maybe handball's third or fourth down yeah. the list of priorities when you're at that age, thirteen, fourteen years of age. The failure, it just becomes number one, whatever else is happening. Uh, and there's very little tournaments in handball like that. And it gives, you know, Kilkenny handball, Carlo handball, and Leash handball an incredible foundation to build upon because they are hosting an event like that where everything stops and people involved in handball are just engrossed yeah. on everything happening that weekend. Yeah, that's exactly it, Robert. And, you know, like, like pre COVID, you know, Kilkenny, Carlo, and Leash had a, what we call a three county sort of a development training initiative that was going. And that was, that was very well received by the three counties involved, and it was about you know bringing young like young players together, like the players that would probably would be playing in the field for the last year or two if it wasn't on. I think it was on last year, but we said like during the COVID, um, so they missed out. So this is an opportunity for those players to to test their skills against others who come in from outside. Let's say, you know, and as you said there a moment ago, it's it's a unique event, and you know it's a, it's a celebration and. It's just for like for us in handball, it's something like we love hosting it in the sense that any opportunity we get, we will host it the, the three counties and we, like it works well together and it's a it's a tried and trusted formula because you know when you're going to go play in the trailer, wherever you're coming from, whether it's from Connacht or Ulster or Munster or wherever you have to or from Leinster, you know it's going to be a good week. It's going to be a good day as handball. It's going to be an enjoyable day as handball. It's usually a long day as handball, but is any day. Any of the players and officials and coaches and trainers and supporters will always tell you that the fail is one of the highlights of the handball year. No doubt about that. And a number of other highlights that you mentioned prior were the likes of the World Handball Championships, Collegiates, All-Ireland Series, Nationals, all of which have come to Kilkenny yep. in recent years. Hosting events like that as someone on the inside in Kilkenny handball, how important is it to kind of, you know, for want of a better phrase, show off what the clubs are doing? Because there's a lot of great work happening amongst volunteers and just generally in the handball community in Kilkenny, isn't there, Martin? And it's a great, oh, without, great without, chance yeah. to show it off. Uh, definitely, Robert. Like, as you know, handball, like the Kenny is probably the, the template for all other counties across the country and that's not a, that's a known fact. Like we're yeah. by far the most successful county, particularly at juvenile level in the last few years. And we've really, you know, had a like had had a had a tremendous last four or five years at juvenile level. By our training issues is there a couple of years ago with with Carol and Leash. We're trying to bring them up to our level. You know, and yeah. we want other counties to come and to start to see how, how we do things in Kilkenny. And like, we're very lucky within Kilkenny that we have uh, clubs who have dedicated volunteers, put a lot of time and effort into into juveniles. And, you know, like, we've reaped the rewards over the last few years. So, like, when other counties come, like, when other players from different counties come 
and they can see what's happening. Like, you know, we have the top class facilities as well, you know, yeah. uh, across the county and across Carlow Leash. Like, so um, it's a it's an honour, I suppose, to host the failure. But at the same time, it's important that we showcase it in a, in a way that we that sort of the rest of the country know. If you come to Kilkenny, you're going to have good courts. You're going to have good officials. You're going to be well looked after. You're going to have an enjoyable day out, you know, and that's very important in Hamba because, you know, as you know, and the, like the Great Republic across Kilkenny and Carroll Leash, when you're competing with, if you're in the GA, you're competing, say, with Hurling and football, Camogie, yeah. ladies football. So it's important for, if, if handball is to grow, it's important to put on a good spectacle, any opportunity we get. And just just moving slightly away from from the fail at the moment, something you mentioned there, Martin, was the success had at underage level in Kilkenny handball. It really is incredible for anyone that's unsure about it. Could you explain to us kind of you know how successful Kilkenny are in comparative to other counties? Well, probably the simple statistic, Robert, from this year was at juvenile level between fourteen and seventeen in boys and girls, there's sixteen all Ireland finals to be played between singles and doubles in the four one. Kilkenny were in nine finals of those and we won eight this year. That's that's an incredible statistic. Yeah, and, and for people that are unsure, you know, I know that's really high this year, but that would generally be around the numbers each year in, year out, wouldn't it? Oh, for the last few years, yeah. We I think we were in eight there about three years ago and we won seven or something like that. So like I think this year might have been our record. It's brilliant for us in Kilkenny. It's not good for handball, particularly in Leinster and you know, You'd be, that's why the things like the fail is important to try and raise standards yeah. but now saying that it was a bit like us when we were dominating in the hurling the reason is people are putting in the work all the clubs yeah. in Kilkenny are putting in huge amount of work at juvenile level and I think that has to be acknowledged and and praised because you know this just doesn't happen by by coincidence or we have a good bunch of players coming through we, like, we just have steady players, but that's down to the coaches, the officials, the, fa- the fathers, the mothers, the, the families of the players and stuff like that. And, and the players themselves, because they want to put in, they want to improve, and they want, they want to put in the effort, and they want to be the best they can, you know, and they want to represent Kenny, they want to win all Ireland. And, you know, some people might say, oh, you're dominating, but that's not Kenny's fault. And as I said there a moment ago, like, um, like a couple of years ago, we had a, like we had a train initiative with, with Carlo and with Leash, which was to try and bring their players down to improve their their standards. And they were delighted with that at the time, you know. And um, hopefully that will be resurrected again because um, it, at the end of the day, everybody wants to compete and compete at their own level and compete in a way where they feel that they're getting a sort of a, a, fair, crack, like a fair crack of the whip, you know. Well, Martin, thanks very much for joining me today and it's great to hear that there is such success and we wish you continued success with Kilkenny Handball. Thanks very much, Robert. I really appreciate that. Thanks, Martin. That was Martin Lawler, Kilkenny GAA Handball PRO, speaking to us today on Scoreline. Lots more still to come. Kilkenny scored 2-7 on their way to victory over Derry which marked a doubleheader of wins for Kilkenny Camogie after the senior side defeated Antrim as well. Here's some post-match from the intermediate game from Martin and Anya. John Scott, you're a happy man but by God will you put to the pin of your collar there for a while. 
he still managed to come away with a, a fantastic victory against Derry. What's your overall feeling after the game? Uh, nearly going to faint here. <laughs> but uh, look, I thought we dug deep now in the second half. Maybe the hurling, as you're looking at, probably wasn't pretty, but just the work rate I thought from everybody in the second half was unreal. As you can see out in front, there was a waffle breeze here blowing. It was a game of two halves, but now I thought we dug it out in the first, in the second half, really, really dug deeply. And I have to say, Sinead Farrell was unreal in goal. Yeah, she certainly was. Five great saves, but I mean, the turning point of it came a double save from Sinead. Roisin feeling back on the, the line with a point-blank save from Roisin Shaw. She put her body on the line. He managed to come away with the free. And albeit that Jerry threw everything, including the kitchen sink, almost actually, he held on for the victory. Yeah, it's just great. Like, and, it's, and, I t- and I just think myself, even just after today, the experience that the girls got today was just such a tough game. I think it'll stand to them, like, you know, going forward, especially against Wexford now away and meet away. So this was our last home game. But look, I think the girls know. I think, uh, as you said, Roisin's threw her body on the line. She actually had to go off after a split hand. But unbelievable save. We've probably been critical and probably a bit unfair as well because you've only had five starters from the team that lost the All-Ireland final. I suppose it's the expectations within Kilkenny circles, you know, that we expect the girls to do so well. But just talking cheese today compared to the Cork game. I mean, your work rate was exceptional today. The girls hassled, they harried, they blocked, they hunted in packs. You must have been so proud with the work rate. Oh, yeah, the work rate, no, today I thought no, it was excellent. Like, and, and as you say, like today we only started with five girls that actually started the all Ireland last year. And believe it or not, even the seniors last year, last week, when, or two weeks ago when they finished, they finished with six of our girls that actually started in the all Ireland, which is great to see. It's great that they, you know, they are girls are getting experience here and able to step up to the senior level as well. Bodes well now going into the next two games you put yourself in the driving seat now to get second or third spot in the group albeit they won't be easy against Wexford or Meath but I'd say it's one you're relishing the challenge now especially after that victory it'll give the girls great confidence going into the next two games Oh yeah that's right and look and you know yourself Martin that the actual thrive Camogie girls thrive on confidence and that will bring them up now leaps and bounds I think and thank God we have actually a two week break now before the Wexford game away but I think look that game there will stand to the girls and as I say going forward yeah two weeks against Wexford now the next day get over the line in that one and you're almost guaranteed qualification out of the groups for it what's the plan now for the next two weeks because today's toll is going to take a, a massive hit on the bodies in the morning oh it's really alright now yeah well, look we'll go back to training on Tuesday night but we won't be it's probably as hard on the Tuesday night so we'll, we'll ease ourselves back into it again but I know look we'll pick it up again then probably come Thursday next weekend have a couple of hard out sessions and the, the week of the mid game we'll be just doing probably tactical things and stuff like that like, but as I said today I think we'll stand to us leaps and bounds going forward well it certainly will and take the plaudits because it was a fantastic victory well done to you and the girls thanks very much Martin Martin Coulter you must be bitterly disappointed in that result there today. You threw everything at Kilkenny at the end, almost the kitchen sink, but I think for the Kilkenny goalkeeper, you probably would have come away with the victory. Yeah, the keeper made three or four fantastic saves there. Um, probably if I had the front, we'd go on to win the game, but fair play to Kilkenny, the dug in against the Gale of Wind, it was 
it was literally game of two halves. The wind was that strong, and um, Kenny just done enough chipping away up front to get the odd score just to keep themselves in front. He started brilliantly in the first half, tore in to kick Henny out of the traps. One might expect with a long distance that he might be a bit sluggish coming down. It was the complete opposite, but as the first half went on, Kenny came into the game and went in. That first goal, though, a bit of luck for Kenny. The head seemed to drop with yourselves a small little bit. I think we had all the momentum in the first 10 minutes, as you say, we came out really quick. And then we got a sucker punch of a goal from a sideline that went straight to the net and it sort of rocked us a wee bit. Um, we dug in and Vernon's got Kenny, there's some smart players that used the ball well, they just didn't rely on the wind, they moved the ball and, and, and pulled us out of possession at times. But it was hard playing against the wind, but there wasn't much between the two sides, to be honest with you. No, well, there certainly wasn't. That second half was immaculate to be watching. I mean, even for us commentating on it was nervy moments, but for you standing on the sideline and see all those shots going in and now one of them rattling the sideline, you must have thought to yourself, today is not the day. I knew. I think we were four yards out and hit the keeper and then two minutes later we missed a penalty. We had a penalty saved and you kind of know this is going to be one of those days we're not going to get in front. But as I say, I think there's a good possibility both teams can meet down the line again. I think they're two good teams and I think I would have every confidence both of us will qualify until at least the quarterfinals. It's probably a bump in the step for yourselves. You were on the top of the table coming into it, I think, with Cork as well. Um, it's not going to affect you too much. You'll go into the next two rounds of games then and hopefully come out with qualification. Yeah, well, it was always going to be the way we had to win. We won our first two games. We were always going to have to win a third. So, you know, coming to Kilkenny was never going to be an easy win. With Cork next week at home, it won't be easy. And then with Wexford. So, bottom line is we'll have to win one of two games to get through. And, and, and we're well aware of that from day one here, you know. So, um, unfortunately, it isn't today, but as I say, could have went either way that game is just unfortunate we missed a few chances we know there's great work going on in Derry especially with Slock Neal winning all Ireland titles and the rest of the clubs is up there as well you're doing great work with the girls when you see the likes of Antrim and Dowan up into the senior grade now I'm assuming that's where you want to be aspirations to get back up there 100% you know Down have been playing Division 1 now for two years and they beat us in the Ulster semi-final in extra time by a point after scoring a last minute goal you know so we're, we're much more much of them we've played Antrim twice this year in challenges and won both games so we know we're sort of at the same sort of level it's just getting ourselves as you say into that division one and getting that experience of a year or two in it to try and improve the, the speed and, and everything else well, I have no doubt keep going the way you are and you'll be there thanks for talking to us no, today no, anyway no, no, best of luck in the rest of the championship yeah, good lad and, and... I am joined by Aideen O'Connor after Kilkenny's victory against Derry in round three of the Glen Timplex Intermediate All-Ireland Championship. Aideen, last couple of minutes, tough times, talk through that match. Yeah, we were. We knew coming into this match it was going to be a tough battle. You know, We know Derry, physical, strong team, so we knew we were going to be up against it. First half, we felt kind of 10 minutes slow enough to get into it. We knew coming out in the second half, we are going to have to really get stuck in. We struggled, we knew Derry were going to bring it, and then towards the end, they are only first and eight. We were, you know, she was unbelievable in the goal there. They were, they were running at us, but, you know, we held them up, thank God, in the end and got the win then. I suppose after last weekend's defeat to Cork, today, a result like today is really after putting a lot of confidence back into the camp. Oh, absolutely. We needed it, yeah. We, after last weekend, you know, the bodies were sore and it was a tough match. But we knew we would just turn around and be ready again for Saturday, another challenge, another battle, and thank God we got the win in the end anyway. That's the main thing. Um, for yourself on a defensive display, I just feel like every match that comes, you're getting stronger and stronger. You're starting to become a real leader in the team, but you're surrounded by so many other leaders as well there. Yeah, that's it. You're rotating feeling beside me there. 
absolute wizard there in full back. She knows her stuff. Got fright then when she went off. <laughs> we had to kind of regroup again then uh, to settle ourselves and be ready again to go for the next few minutes because we know they're running at us. But thank God we kind of got together. We're a good unit there in the backs. We kind of talked to each other there and we kept it going. So thank God. Sinead stood up then at the end and... Exactly. Then. The main thing. Yeah. And Wexford now in the next game, another really must win game for Kilkenny to really kind of set yourselves in the top two position there to get through to an All Ireland Coach final. Yeah, that's that's it. We need it again, another win. And Wexford are a good side. We've played them already this year and sort of just get ourselves right to go again and just freshen up again. Exactly. That's great. Thanks very much. Thanks, Sonia. Thanks. And finally, I caught up with Davy Jones as he prepares for Ireland's strongest man being held at Davy Jones Fitness on June 18th. Davy Jones from Davy Jones Fitness. Uh, he's just after having a tremendous week up in call or weekend up in Call Rain. Some of the guys that he's had in the gym over the past while were competing in strongman, and that's what Davy tries to do. He tries to make you stronger over the course of you know any type of tenure that you've had with him in the gym. So we're going to try and get him on the line there now. Is he Davy? Are you there? Hi Shane, how are you? Not too bad sir, I didn't know if you were there or not, I was coming up that there was nothing there but I was struggling, that's why I kept talking, you know what I mean? You know me, I I like to talk anyway. <laughs> oh, no, I'm here waiting for you Shane. Uh, David, now, uh, before we get into what's coming up next weekend, I mentioned that you did have a few lads from the gym training in Strongman, one of them the personal trainer, Vinnie Taylor, the man, the myth, the legend himself. You've also had someone that just came in to Strongman only four months, not even just Strongman, came into the gym only four months ago, competing in his first event as well, in the form of Barry Hughes. How did the two guys get on? Yeah, brilliant. Uh, the main thing is kind of like a first-timer competition for the boys. And the main thing I was saying to him, like, is to perform well, and um, which he did very well in. And after that, then, is to have fun. And the main thing, Jerome, once going into this sport, is it's a very injury-prone sport. It's not to get injured. And the lads came out uh, with no injuries. They performed very well, and they had fun. So we can't ask much more than that. And it's only the start for the two lads there. Vinnie, Vinnie had a bad injury last year. Uh, he tore his hamstring, and he's coming back from that now. So his first competition back. Uh, Barry's very first competition ever and yes there's many more competitions for the boys to come now and a lot more performances from, from them um, I've seen a video there recently of uh, Vinny and uh, I've seen you know, he used to be a very slim skinny guy and he's after been built into an absolute unit over many years of training and discipline and it's hugely commendable however Barry is a bit of a I, I, I hope he won't mind me saying this a bit of a freak of nature a bit of a beast of a man he's only after coming into the gym I wouldn't say for the first time ever but he, he was obviously kind of a nice nice built chap but he's only after coming into the strongman in the past four months competing in your first competition then the strength that this man has is quite unbelievable so after just four months he's going into competition what does the future hold? Yeah big things I remember the first time um, we started training with Barry I showed him the first few uh, implements in the strongman and the first time he lifted a log press which is a clean and press overhead he lifted weight overhead he lifted 80 kg and in context, that's like two two big bags of coal like over his head, first time ever. And that's crazy because I remember ten years ago when I started, I was hard set to do forty kg, forty kg half that like. Um, so that's it's there's a lot of natural good genetics, good strength there, 
Um, some people just have to work hard for Vinny. Vinny had been in a situation where he was smaller when he started. He just had to work hard for it. And over the years, he's kept that, kept that, and he's built up that strength now. You know, while Barry's in a lucky situation where he's naturally just very strong. And then you coming from the strongman background, you were able to say, here, look, this is something that you might be interested with. Well, I, I didn't impress you like that or anything at my first training session when I was keeled over crying, no? No, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're, yourself, you were competing over there in a fantastic stadium of MK Duns, which is in Wimbledon or near Wimbledon. Um, last weekend in UK's strongest man. Now, unfortunately, as you said yourself, it didn't go the way you wanted it to. But what was the experience like, and where do you think that you kind of fell down on the on some of the events? Um, yeah, well, great, brilliant experience. Like my first experience of a professional level, being like treated, being treated like a uh, professional athlete for the first time ever, and yeah, just day two didn't go right. It kind of got uh, got a bad look at the draw. Unfortunately, there was um, there was a bad break, there was a breaking system with the with the trucks that were pulling. I ended up having to pull the truck four times. Um, unlike we have to only should should be only pulling it once. After that, I found it hard to get my sugar levels back up, my energy levels back up, and I didn't go the way I wanted to go. Unfortunately, it was kind of. No error of my own, but that's just sport. It just goes like that sometimes. And it was me and my other Scottish guys. We had to put it four times. And yeah, it was just, just didn't go our way, unfortunately. Well, it looked tremendous as well. It looked like a massive uh, spectacle as well. I can see you there. I'm looking at it now. Donned in your spandex with sparklers and fireworks going off in the background <laughs> as well. Did you have any entrance music or anything? Uh, no, it was always a different event, different entrance music. Yeah, we just there was a DJ there going all day and there was TV presenters. It's a big thing. It'll be on, um, it'll be on Channel 5 now, I think, in November. Um, so it, it's a very kind of, very fast-paced day where like you're doing TV interviews and the second you're doing more interviews for the for the crowd and then you're with the crowd signing all graphs and it's, you know, straight into the next event. It's, it's not in none of us Irish lads are used to. We, none of that's here in Ireland, unfortunately, but Hopefully we're building towards that and next next Saturday now we have Republic of Ireland's Strongest Man Saturday coming in, in, in Kilkenny for the first time. So we're, we're trying to promote these shows in, in, in Ireland and hopefully in the south, south east more and yeah, get these shows up and running. And it's just kind of, we need more exposure. Well, in, in the UK, these competitions have been exposed for a long time and now there's proper fans and proper you know, people who follow the events around the country and we just need to try to build that now and hopefully we're, we're, we're starting to build that slowly in, in Ireland. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I was going to get on to what's happening next week at Davy Jones Fitness. Uh, is it the Ireland's Strongest Man's qualifiers or is it the actual competition that's coming? So it's the qualifier for the All-Ireland. Um, same, exact same thing as in Ireland. But this is kind of like the semi-final. But it is also, um, it's Republic of Ireland's Strongest Man and Ulster strongest man. So you have you'll have a champion from each one. You'll have the Republic champion and you'll have the Northern champion. And then the top seven guys out of twenty plus guys that'll be in this competition Saturday will go through to the All Ireland final. Well there'll already be three, myself and two other guys that are already qualified for the final. But there are there's seven lads that will be the top seven lads outside of myself or anyone else that's that's already qualified um doing a Saturday will go through.
Unreal. And the qualifiers now, because we know you did this as well last year in the, the, the confines of Davy Jones Fitness. Uh, people that went last year, I seen there was a nice enough crowd as well. There was COVID. It was during COVID times, but there was still a nice enough crowd with all procedures kind of looked after. And now the shackles are off. What can people expect? Yeah, we're just trying to get as many people we can. Like I was saying, we're trying to expose the sport to as many people as we can. And what we found, what I found in the UK was it was a, a serious amount of kids there and kids were really enjoying it and, and like all kids don't want to see men pulling trucks pulling arctic trucks and lifting these big stones and you know it's it, for anyone kids adults anyone is it's an amazing thing to see like you don't there's not many times you see a man being able to pull a 18 ton arctic you know these these things are amazing feats of strength and it's just you know, we need to build it up in this country more and get more people involved. The more people, especially, there's a, there's a good few guys in the southeast, you know, that are doing well at the moment, and we need to get as many people in, involved and to see the sport and expose it more. And we have a good few lads in Kilkenny. We mentioned Vinny and Barry that are, are, are testing waters there. We know Blaine Donovan, he's certainly uh, over, or currently over on a tour with the Irish Defence Forces over in Syria. Yourself as well, coming from Kilkenny. James Fenley has great history in strongman competitions as well. Would there be many more in Kilkenny or indeed Carlo that you would be expecting to come into this? Yes, you guys from Carlo. No, I, I didn't see the list. You know, There's about 25 guys lined up for Saturday. Uh, I haven't seen the list, but... Uh, at the moment, um, at that level, it was just myself and Blaine. Unfortunately, like I said, Blaine's not um, around this year to compete. I hope, I hope he'll be back now next year to to push harder because he, he did his first year was last year. First year at a at a high level was last year. He did really well. So hopefully, you know, next year he'll be back and he'll be pushing harder than ever. And um, yeah, it's just at the moment that there's a lot of guys coming from the north down, a lot of guys coming from Galway direction, Cork direction. So. We have a good selection from um, people from all over the country now this year. It's great. Um, not usually a lot of guys from Exford. There's always a high representative of guys from Exford. We could have, you know, there could be five or six guys from Exford alone. Like, well, they're all carved up yeah. on the Wexford potatoes and strawberries. Yeah, strawberries. Yeah, strawberries and jam. Yeah, they're all carved up. But uh, yeah, we're a good selection of people from all counties this year, thank God. Uh, are you competing yourself now? Because I'd say it was fairly kind of painstaking. The body would have been aching and stuff after being over in the UK last weekend. Are you competing yourself, considering that you've already qualified? Yeah, it's. Um, I'm going to compete. I have to compete. It's in my gym. I have. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to yeah, be like no, Arnie now, doing the Arnie Classic and just watching on, no? No, no. It's, uh, it's a lot less situation than that now. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I'm not too bad. I was sore enough. It's, that UK competition is is known to be it is it is the hardest competition strongman competition in the world. No other comp- strongman competition in the world has thirteen events. Like for instance, world strongest man, you do two events. You have a day off. You have two events day off. Well, we we're doing four events and straight in the next day four events and then you know you have the final events. There's no break, you see. But uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't fare out too bad. I my condition of going into was good, so I was, came out fairly good and. Yeah, I'm looking forward to next Saturday now. I should should do well, I, I hope. And if people want to go, is it just a matter of rocking up on the days or tickets or what way does that work? Yeah, just rock up on the day. We'll, we'll have loads of space for everyone. Um, we'll have your food vans there to be 
we try to get the kids involved in the show and stuff like that. Good, good family day out, and um, yeah, it's more spectators. Like we said, it starts at uh, twelve o'clock on Saturday. The more spectators we we have, the better, the better the crowd. It really amps up the guys and the better competition overall. Um, and you mentioned the Arctic truck, which is a very visual thing, and we've talked about this. Uh, actually, Sunday is your day to start pulling Arctics in your training. I know that. Uh, but you mentioned that. What other events are going on then? I sure the Atlas Stones will be in play or some sort. Exactly, yeah. So event one will be the truck. Uh, so we're going to be putting that over a 20 metre course and we're putting um, an Arctic truck from Duggan Transport in Glenmore. And then event two would be a massive tyre flip. So imagine a big dumper tyre, 400 kg, and that has to be flipped over a 20 metre course. And then event number three is a dumbbell press. So if you imagine a normal dumbbell in a gym, twice the size and twice the weight so it's 80 kg oh man like saying, what do you mean twice the size and twice the that's quadruple the size and weight that I'm doing <laughs> and it's yeah 80 kg with one hand overhead as many reps as possible and there's a few guys now that are thrown up online they're hitting 8, 9, 10 reps even in 60 wow. seconds so that's a rep every 60 seconds from the ground to overhead so guys are really flying at that now and then like you said Shane we have the Atlas Stone which is a brutal event. And then to make it even harder, we've, uh, if you imagine, um, a deadlift hole. So if anyone is ever in a gym and you're lifting a trap bar, but just this trap bar is a frame that's connected to a car. And we're going to be holding the car for as long as possible. Oh. Some guys are going to be holding up near the next to two minutes. So you're holding that car. It's going to be pulling your shoulders apart, pulling your arms out of your socket for <laughs> two minutes. Yeah, some people might get that, so it's a brutal way to end an event. Uh, we'll be sending Robbie down on the day as well. Hopefully you get a few interviews with some of the strong men down there and yourself, of course, uh, but he'll be down there for most of the day. Um, just uh, out of curiosity as well, how's the gym going? Do you have any kind of offers or deals coming up over the next few weeks? Next few weeks now, with the kids coming off school and stuff like that, we're definitely going to put up a membership offer now soon. We get this competition done now, and we we rock on with that. But uh, yeah, that's what we're going to definitely do a membership sale now, someone now in the next few weeks. Yeah, because I seen there that you have uh, team fitness as well with Louise happening and Davy Jones Fitness. Uh, yeah, uh, over the next over the summer, I assume. Yeah, that just started there this week. Went really well. So it's kind of kids from secondary school kids, basically from the age of thirteen up to seventeen. And there's a girls' class and there's a boys' class, and yeah, it went really well. There's a lot, lot of teenagers out there for the whole summer, have nothing to do, and draw you know, They're not into field sports, they're not into team sports. There's not a whole lot for them to do. So, this is like a, a class-based um, gym session from for all the world. And Louise is training them, and Louise is running through all the all the exercises, and it's a great way of getting started in the gym. While most gyms don't let 13, 14, 15 year olds even in into a gym so it's a great way of starting and learning how to do things correctly and, and building yourself up yeah sounds great and just so I know as well on Saturday the gym is going to be closed I don't have to go in on Saturday is that, is that would it be true in saying that no the gym is open as normal anyone are you killing me you come in and work away and yeah if anyone who wants to come just come up turn up and you get your ticket on the gate and you'll be able to work away and see the whole show we're hoping we start in around 12 and we'll be finished around half four or five, hopefully.
Yeah, well, it sounds like it's going to be an absolute belter of a day. I'll be in here in case you'll are. Robbie, you'll get to enjoy all the festivities and we'll keep up to date with you and chat to you and hopefully get a few interviews as well with some of the lads after the events if they're able to catch their breath. But, Davey, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to me. Best of luck with not just your own endeavours within the competition, but for the competition as a whole and bringing it back to Kilkenny for the second year in a row. Hopefully, like it did with uh, Barry Hughes and uh, and Vinny as well, hopefully it'll help spur on more people who would like to compete in Strongman. Exactly. Thanks Thanks, me, Shane. Thanks very that. much. Davy Jones from Davy Jones Fitness there talking about the Ireland's Strongest Man's qualifiers that are going to be happening next Saturday in Kilkenny. There's lots more still to come here on Scoreline. We're going to play a bit of music, though, because why not? A bit of Harry Styles on the way, so stick around. That's it for Scoreline Extra. Thanks very much for your ears. You can catch the show live every weekend from 2 to 6 with myself, the angry young man Robbie Dowlin, and of course Sinead Kyo. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, you're sound out.